Making Paella, Cafe Bonbon, and Sundays with Grandma. This week, we're in Valencia, Spain. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson. This is Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast and website for foodies at DestinationEatDrink.com. Welcome to the show. Pull yourself up a chair and I'll fix you a plate. My guest this week is author and YouTuber Eunice Reyes. But before we talk Valencia, Spain with Eunice, could you do me a favor and support Destination Eat Drink with a small contribution? We don't run ads on the podcast or on the website, and that's not to say we'll never run ads, but for now, I've decided to keep the podcast and website free of ads. But it does cost money to run all of this. So if you could help out with a couple bucks, that would be fantastic. You can do that at DestinationEatDrink.com and click on the Contribute button. Okay, this week we're talking Valencia, Spain with Eunice Reyes. Eunice is the author of The Ultimate Vegan Travel Guide to Spain, which was just released, and she's also the creator and host of the YouTube channel Rated V for Vegan. I've been watching Eunice's videos about travel and vegan food for a while now and have been pulled in by her enthusiasm and love for food. And yes, it's all vegan and it's all delicious. Eunice tells me about how her road to veganism started as a child and how she came to live in Valencia, Spain for two years. We also talk about the central park of Valencia how holidays and vacations differ in Europe, and lots of vegan food, including an amazing coffee drink and vegan chorizo. Okay, I'm starving, so let's eat. Destination Eat Drink. You know, I'm, I'm going to ask this first question, and I, I'm going to say up front, this, this first question is kind of a crazy question, and I'll explain to you why I think it's a crazy question after I ask the question, <laughs> if that makes sense. But my, my first question to you is, why did you become vegan? And the reason I think that's a crazy question is because nobody asked the question, why do you eat meat? So really... I shouldn't be asking this question, but I'm going to tell you why I'm asking you this question, <laughs> because I find that folks that are vegetarian and vegan usually have an interesting reason why they became vegan or vegetarian in the first place. So my long way of going to that question is maybe you have an interesting uh, reason for becoming vegan as well. What do you think, Eunice? Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that you actually pointed that out of how like nobody ever asks them, so why do you eat meat? <laughs> you know, it's like, I feel like ve right. people who choose a vegan lifestyle or a vegan diet or plant-based are always asked like, what, why did you choose to do that? That's so not normal. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for like pointing that out. You know, it's, it's interesting perspective. Um, but yeah, like I'm, more than used to being asked that question now. So I guess like to give some context, actually. So growing up, I was actually raised um, Seventh-day Adventist. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's a faith that, uh, that really promotes a plant-based lifestyle. So like growing up, I was always exposed to a lot of healthy eating and how like eating, although a lot of people eat meat as well, right? Like it's acceptable to eat 
certain kinds of meats. But what was promoted is always like vegetarianism or veganism in terms of like potlucks. We would always have, there would never be meat at potlucks. There would always be just like plant-based food only. And so growing up, we got, even though my family ate meat, we also got used to eating really good, like veggie meats and like just some vegan, but like, so growing up, you're exposed to it from a young age being like, oh, this is really good too. It's delicious. Right. But then side by side, you're kind of growing up eating meat. But then like, so the more you learn about like a healthy lifestyle and everything, and then just like learning more for me, it was more for health reasons, right? So I always just knew that a more plant forward, plant based lifestyle was going to be healthier for me. I remember I just like, I was already adopting a lot of plant based like habits. So like during the week, I would only cook vegetarian or vegan food. And then if I went out to eat or if my family invited me to eat something, that's when I would eat meat. So then it was around 2017 where I started watching more documentaries and you know how that goes. <laughs> Once you like watch certain health <laughs> documentaries and you just know too much information, I'm just like, oh no. I remember literally watching that documentary and being like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to give up eating meat and dairy and all of that soon. Like I, this is all because they were repeating information that I already knew growing up, right? Like I knew this stuff, you know? And it's just like, why have I like, you know, it's so easy to like, cause who doesn't love food? Like they're different. Everybody has like foods that they love. Right. So and it's hard to like come to that realization that, you know, I should probably, you know, stop eating certain foods if I want to like increase my like healthy lifestyle or just increase health in general. And so, yeah, I remember for me, it was the documentaries that really just, um, drove the point home about like just health reasons of what happens to your body when you eat certain kinds of foods. And then also like more from an ethical standpoint as well. Right. It's like, you know, this is what, how the animals are being treated now, or this is what happens to the waste from animals. And they go into low income families, like communities, and then they get sick from all this. And you're just like, Oh my gosh, it's just like, is this what I'm contributing to when I'm eating meat, you know, or like dairy and all of that. And I'm just like, so yeah, it was like a slow transition from then. Um, just from watching those documentaries, just be like, okay, I'm going to start really just like adopting a plant-based lifestyle and go from there. So that's what it was for me. And I'm, I've actually enjoyed it so much. I would never go back. Now, you lived in Spain for a while, Eunice. Uh, what brought you there originally? Okay, so Spain was a fun, interesting thing because it was kind of a spontaneous decision based on the fact that I wanted a career change. So I worked in corporate fashion for years. Like I worked, uh, I worked for Nordstrom actually. So ever since I graduated college, and then I went straight and did an internship with Nordstrom, worked my way up from the sales floor all the way to the corporate office, did a bunch of different roles. And um, I was doing product development in, for handbags with, for private label, which was great. I loved the science of that whole industry, but it got to the point where I was like, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. <laughs> like I just didn't see myself there anymore and I wanted to change careers but it was more of like where what do I want to do I want to be able to combine something that I'm passionate about with my profession right I had just become plant-based so I was like I would love to do product development maybe for a plant-based company or you know slow sustainable fashion or you know something like that and you know at the time the companies that I could think of were nowhere near me remote work was not a thing yet right even though this was 2019 um, remote work was just not it, uh, unless you were in tech. 
I also love to travel, right? So for me, it was like, okay, if I switch anywhere to a new company, traveling is going to be cut down significantly because I can't just go on vacation for with a new job I start, right? <laughs> and I, you know, <laughs> unfortunately with U.S. companies, they start you at like two weeks, you know, a year, which to me is like, that's not enough. Insane. Yeah, <laughs> it's that's bananas. outrageous. Because in Europe, this is a total side tangent, but in Europe, any job you start, at least in Spain, you get four weeks automatically. It doesn't matter what job you do. Everybody gets four weeks of vacation a year. Not to mention you've got, you know, like here in Portugal, I asked them, I think somebody told me they have 22 holidays a year. I was like, I tried to explain them in the U.S. We get we were lucky to get 10, you know, and, and they just it, it blew their minds that that's what it was like. But, yeah, you get 22 holidays in Portugal and then maybe I don't know. I don't know what the rule is, but, you know, four or five, six weeks vacay. Yep, exactly. And then it's, that was the other thing when I when first went to Spain. I remember like, what? There's like a holiday every month. <laughs> so I had like a three day weekend every month. I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. But so, yeah, so I was like kind of just, and, oh, and that was the time when I had just started my vegan YouTube channel, right? Because, um, and the reason I created that YouTube channel rated V for vegan was because I, as a foodie pre becoming plant-based, I loved watching food and travel shows food documentary, everything like, or just even just YouTubers watching, like watching them eat different foods and, you know, a review about it or just talk about what it tastes like or just like background about it. Like, I just love all that stuff. Right. And now that I'm plant-based, I was like, I'm watching all the same content, but I'm like, I can't eat anything that they're eating now. Right. And so I'm like, you know, it'd be really cool. I was like, really cool if someone just did something like that, but like vegan food only. And so I was like, and so I was like, you know what? I like to travel. I like to eat. I'll just record myself on my phone. So that's how I kind of like started. <laughs> I started it already that way. You know, I wanted to see, explore how I could, you know, grow that or do that. And so a friend of mine was like, hey, if you're kind of thinking of switching careers and you're not sure yet what you want to do, but you want to take some time to travel and you have a lot of time to grow, you know, create more content for your channel. She's like, you should do this English teaching program I'm doing in Spain. She's like, I'm going to do it this year. You should, All you, right. know, you should do it too. And I was like, and she's like, you don't even have to be, you, usually, you don't have to be a teacher or like a certified English teacher. You're just going to be the assistant to the professor. You only have to work 15 hours a week. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> and she's like, and you get paid, you know, you don't get paid a ton. Like I was getting paid a, for those who are wondering, we're like, what program is this? The program is called um, Auxiliares de Conversación. And you get paid a thousand euros a month, depending on which city. Um, I was placed in Valencia. So Valencia, Madrid and Barcelona get the thousand euros a month. Everybody else is the smaller cities that can get up to 700 euros a month because the cost of living there is very low. And if you're in a smaller city, I mean, you don't really, your, your housing and everything is uh, less expensive. So it's like, imagine me, you know, with my corporate job salary thinking, wait, can I live off a thousand euros a month? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. It's just like, but I was like, you know what? At that time, I was like, I've always said I thought it would be amazing to live in Europe for at least one year. I was like, my I had just finished paying off my student loans. My lease was about to go up that year. Right. We're like, you know, I had and and my roommate at the time, she was gonna move too. And then I had no I didn't wasn't dating anyone. I was like, you know what? if I don't do this now, it's going to be never like I have, I think I have to do this. Right. I was like, I'm never going to regret going to live in Europe for a year. 
I was like, I know I'm employable, so who cares? I'll just save up some money and I'll just go and teach English. You know, that way I don't have to feel restricted on anything, right? Um, and so that's what I did. I went and t- did an English teaching assistant um, gig. I did for two years, so 2019 through March of 2020, because obviously March of 2020 was when everything went downhill. Um, right, right. I ended up coming home for during the state of alarm, but because all my stuff was left behind, um, I went back a second year, which was still fun. It just was different because there was a little more restrictions because of COVID still. Like uh, we couldn't leave uh, our autonomous communities for a good six months for a while. Um, so I was in the community of Valencia for, yeah, I was, I, that's where I was, the city I was living in, but I couldn't leave that province. And for those who don't know, Spain is split up into different provinces. So like uh, the Valencia community province is like, it's the distance like from Seattle to Portland. It's a three hour drive up and down. So I mean, like you still have a decent amount of ground you can cover, but like you couldn't, I couldn't go to Barcelona. I couldn't go to Madrid unless I had like a written like excuse and stuff. Everyone I've talked to who's done this program in Spain has just absolutely loved it. And, you know, yeah. Is the salary a lot? No, but you can, you can live on it and it's designed for young people. I was the old, one of the oldest ones there. So the age limit is actually 60, surprisingly. Oh, okay. I had no idea. Yeah. So, but you do meet a lot of people in their mid twenties. They're either just out of college and they're kind of want taking a break year, trying to figure out what they want to do. Um, so you do meet a lot because the requirement is you do need a bachelor's degree. Um, so a lot of post-grads are doing it or they're just um, do, taking time off from like working. So I was one of the oldest because I was 32 at the time that I did it. So if you're in your 30s and you want to do this, I highly suggest you do it. It was it was an amazing experience. It sounds it sounds fantastic. And uh, like I said, I've talked to people who have done it and they have just raves about this uh, program in Spain. I want to talk about Valencia with you. But before we get there, you've got this ebook called The Ultimate Vegan Travel Guide to Spain. It's out now. And, you know, what inspired you know, there's tons of travel books. There's tons of guidebooks out there. There's even food guidebooks out there. What inspired you? I mean, why did you think this is what I should do? This is the book that I need to write. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So I am so excited. This product, it took me so long to finish it. And only because of <laughs> it, life it happens, right? Like I have so many other things going on. If you want a social life, it's like, oh, my gosh. Um, but so while I was in Spain, like I mentioned, I'm a foodie. I had this channel. I was like, oh, my gosh. And and I, I was like, I need to feature vegan food in Spain because, like, um, many people have this misconception that Spain is so meat heavy. You know, they're just known for their jamón. Like, there's just all the there is ham and all these cured meats and cheeses. And right, they right. have no vegan food, right? Which is, like, no, not true at all. I, I was even shocked that, like, some of the smaller cities will still have a, a vegan options. And, like, obviously the bigger cities like Madrid and Barcelona uh, have tons of vegan options. And at grocery stores, you find them everywhere now. And Valencia is the third largest city, and that's where I got to stay. And it's, for anyone who's never been to Valencia, please go. It's so underrated. Uh, like, I don't know what, you know, it has the City of Arts and Sciences. It's, it's, a, it's on the Mediterranean coast. It's, like, not as big as Madrid and Barcelona, but it's big enough to where you have plenty of things to do. Right. Um, and it's just 
it's this up and coming city. Like people love it. And just like, you see, you've, you, in the last couple of years, you've seen a lot more expats coming in too, because I think they've realized how cool it is. <laughs> um, so that, uh, they had a very good vegan scene as well. Like I remember being surprised because I went there on vacation one time, I believe it was 2017. And I remember thinking, I know it wasn't 2017. I think it was, it was before that. And I went with my, my, my cousin. We both still love vegan food, right? Like we ate meat. We loved vegan food back then. I remember thinking, I remember seeing just like one vegan restaurant and being, and I, I said out loud, I was like, oh my gosh, I was like, I would hate to be vegan in this city. Right, <laughs> and then right. fast forward a few years later, I was vegan living in the city. <laughs> and it was just, but by then I had, I was shocked at all the options that I found. I was like, I was like, oh my goodness. I was like, this is crazy. I would have never thought that there was like this many options. And, you know, in the city, then when a few years back, I couldn't really find anything. And here you are five years after that 2017 trip writing, writing this book about it. Let's let's talk a little bit about Valencia because, um, you know, everyone goes to Barcelona, right? But Valencia is well within reach. Even if you're not driving, you can get on the high speed train and you can be in Valencia pretty quickly. It's it's worth a few days to uh, go down there and visit. Um so let's start this conversation about Spain in Valencia. It's south of Barcelona. What else do I need to know about Valencia before I go there? So Valencia is something to know. There's that they, one of the languages there's, there is Valenciano, which was funny because when I went, I thought, oh, cute. It's like this historic, you know, uh, uh, what is it? Not language. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Dialect. dialect. Uh, yeah, I was like, it's like a dialect that they have from back way back when. And I was just like, I was like, oh, um, that's nice that they keep some of the signs are still in Valenciano. And, you know, I was like, I don't think anybody speaks anymore. No, everybody my age still speaks Valenciano. Like they speak Spanish, like Castellano, they still speak Spanish. Um, but they also speak it fluently within themselves, amongst themselves. Like a lot of the teachers would speak Valenciano to each other. So it's like, if you ever hear something that's like, Obviously, coming from the U.S. or Latin American countries, the Spanish is very different from the Spanish in Spain. So that already is kind of like might throw you off. But then like sometimes they'll throw in some Valenciano and then you're like, what are they saying? <laughs> but like it, it won't have been too often. But just and then but it might just be something that you might notice as to why maybe it's a little difficult to understand. But it, you won't really have a problem. But something else to know is so one of my favorite things about Valencia is they have this park, it's called Turia, that runs throughout the whole city. And this park used to be a river, which there was an unfortunate accident one time where it flooded. And, you know, there's a lot of people that died from it. But after that, they said, okay, this is not good to have this river. So they closed it up, like they closed it up and everything and made it into this park. So now this park goes from like the, like the old city center, a little for in the way further than the old city center, all the way down to the beach. And it is just beautiful. It's like, it's almost like, think of Central Park. It's almost like the Central Park of Valencia. And you can ride your bikes there. There's gyms on the, in that park outdoors. There's soccer fields. There's like the Metro um, has a stop there at one point. There's fountains. The Palace of Music is also there as well. Again, the City of Arts and Sciences. Um, Calatrava, if you're familiar with architecture, he's done like this beautiful dome, you know, so it's kind of like this hybrid of old and new it has like, uh, kind of like all of Spain, right? Because Spain has a lot of influence from like the Moors, so it has like a Arabic influence, but also a lot of Roman, um, what is it, influence as well. So you'll see a lot of castles, 
lot of castles in Spain, um, like all of Europe, but there's a lot in Spain. And just like, it's just an awesome city because you can experience like an old city, old town, but then you also can go to the beach if you want, right? And it's a lower cost of living as well than Madrid or Barcelona. I wouldn't say it's like drastically lower, but it is lower. Like, I don't know about now, but, uh, but like when I was there, like an average coffee is like a euro and 80 cents or something, you know what I mean? So it's not like, so that's why when people think, can you actually live off, uh, you know, a thousand euros a month? It's like, yeah. Like, um, I, over here in the US, a coffee costs you like $4. <laughs> it's so funny that you say that, Eunice, because here in Portugal, um, a typical umabica is less than a euro. You know, so when I hear you saying those costs, I'm like, oh, that's kind of expensive. <laughs> I know. Oh, my gosh. Like, or it could be less than that. I'm, like, throwing out numbers. I just remember it's, like, it's definitely, you will not, you should not be paying two euros for a coffee. If you are, you're right, in a right. fancy place, right? Like, yeah. absolutely not. Like, a coffee is always, like, a euro something, a euro 30 or a euro, you know what I mean? Depending yeah, on yeah. where you are. Well, let's talk a little bit about the food in Valencia, because one of my favorite videos you did was uh, you making uh, paella in Valencia. Talk to me a little bit about that experience. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so that's one thing I love about uh, the culture in Valencia. So Valencia is very family oriented. You could tell, I mean, Spain in general, uh, the Spanish are very family oriented. And I feel like you, I don't know, maybe it's because I lived there more, but I felt like I got more of a vibe from Valencia in that sense, because... Again, like most people know paella originated in Valencia, right? So that's where it comes from. You can usually find paella everywhere else in Spain, but Valencia is where you need to eat paella because that's where it came from, right? And so one tradition I absolutely love there is that every Sunday, all my friends, all my Spanish friends will always go to their parents' house or grandparents' house because it was paella day. Sunday is paella day. So you go over oh to your, you know, your, your mom or your grandparents' house and, and they start early in the morning, like, and you kind of just start with drinks or whatever, and you just make paella uh, because it's a process, right? The paella can, you know, you're prepping all the ingredients. It can take uh, maybe an hour or so or two to make the paella. But while you're there, you're just like, sitting together as a family and you make this paella and you just sit all day, just hanging out at home, eating paella, right? Like that's the thing. It's like family day eating paella. And I was like, this is amazing. And I was like, this is something I would love to do with my family. Like, obviously I wasn't, I was there alone. My family was all here in the U S but I was like, I love that every Sunday, like you knew like your Spanish friends were hanging out at some family's house because they were eating paella. So it's a big deal. So it's like, so yes, you can eat it at restaurants, but like the experience you want to have obviously is like that home cooked family experience. And so that play, that video that you saw of making paella, I went to a, a business called Orta Viva. They do tours, but they also do this paella making experience to where if you want, you know, you want to make your own and have that experience of what it feels like to have paella with a family, like you can go and um, uh, go make it with the, the owner, right? And it was that was a really fun experience. So that was my first time ever making by side by side with an expert, of course. <laughs> and then, uh, but something to know is that you can definitely find vegan paella. It's veggie paella because obviously the typical paella will have like seafood or like other things, but there will a lot of places will have a veggie paella. Um, so this place that, so if you ever go, Casa Patacona is my favorite place to go for veggie paella in 
um, Valencia. It's right on the beach front. So you can sit, depending where you sit mm. in the restaurant, you can see the beach or you sit right next to it. So it's, it's beautiful. You know, paella, it's interesting because like you said, a lot of times you'll see seafood paella or you'll see, you know, all kinds of different meats thrown in that paella. And, um, you know, sometimes you'll see uh, veggie paella, but I worry for uh, for veggie folks, do they ever use like chicken stock as part of the, you know, to cook the rice? And I, I think I've seen that done a few times. So I would say, you know, even if it says veggie, you know, vegetable paella, you should probably ask what kind of stock they're using just to be 100% sure if you're a vegetarian or a vegan. Oh, definitely. I think that's definitely something that needs to be asked. And then... um the other thing I'll say is I will admit that not all the veggie paellas in Monza taste as good. Like, so I've had a veggie paella, at least in the touristy spots, that tastes so bland because, like, I don't know. If, I, don't, I think they sometimes don't know how to season it as well, right? But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so it's just a matter of finding a trial and error, figure out which one. So that was the one that I found that I liked, and I would always go there. But, yeah, to your point, it's um, important to ask about the veggie stock as well just because um, – they might have that. And also that like, in the Spanish culture also, like, even though it's the vegan scene is growing a plant-based scene, uh, there's still a lot of people that are unfamiliar to us to what that is. Like if you tell them you don't eat meat, they'll offer you seafood. Right. And you're just like, wait, right. no, I don't eat that right, either. Right. <laughs> right, so. right. Be clear with what your restriction is. And uh, the nice thing about your book is you have a lot of these phrases in the book. So uh, it gives people a nice shortcut if they're if they're looking to try to communicate if they don't speak Spanish. Oh, no. Something I also wanted to point out about the book as to why I wanted to create it is because traveling around and like finding all these uh, vegan places, it was something that I want, you know, because I for me, traveling is all about the food, too. Right. Like you can't have as much of a good experience if you're not eating good food. And you would, you know, although you do have Google and stuff to find places, certain dishes, I know I was particular about, like, if I wanted to go to a certain city and know what they're known for or cuisine that they're known for, you know, I always want to make sure I find that traditional cuisine, but vegan, you know what I mean? And so sometimes when you Google vegan restaurants and like, you'll find a lot of like maybe burger spots or like it's a lot of westernized like right. food or you'll find, um, you know, places with avocado toast and bread, which is like fine. You know, that's great vegan food. It's a great option. But like when you're coming to Spain, you kind of want to feel like you're eating Spanish food. Right. And so um, a lot of my reason, everyone, I, I would go through like these rabbit holes of looking at like Instagram hashtags, Google, you know, uh, reading through blogs. Like I did, a lot of like my own research to just so I could have a fun uh, vegan foodie experience. And so it's like, it takes a lot of time. It really does take a lot of work to like look for those like places. And so, and then, and then I would make my own Google maps to like map it out to see, okay, this is where this place is. This is where this place is. I want to make sure I'm walking here. Okay. This one's going, I'm going to go next. Oh, it's by this one park (laughs) that I really wanted to go to. Oh, okay. So I would like make all these Google maps. So that's why um, I had all this stuff and I, and I remember thinking like, man, this would be so, I wish I had all this in like one spot when I would make this stuff. Right. When I was like, this would be so convenient and easy. Granted, I was making this for myself cause I needed to film the content. But then when I came back from Spain, people were asking me like, Hey, I bought a ticket to Spain. Like, where should I go eat? And here I am thinking, wait, have you not seen any of my videos? But I'm like, 
I think people want it easier than that. Like they, just like I did, I wanted it so easy. I literally just want, I wish someone could hand me a list and a map and be like, go here. Right. And so that's why I created, that's why I created this because people were asking me, because I was like, I think I need to be able, I need, you know, I've done the research for them. I want them to have a seamless experience. So that was another reason as to why I created this book. And I love that idea of Google maps because I mean, if you're going to Spain, get Eunice's book and do Google Maps. If you're going somewhere else, do this. Download a map of the place and start putting little dropping pins in all the places that you want to go. Because it's so great when you're walking around and you pull up your map and you go, wait a minute, there's this spot that I want to go to and it's right around the corner. And I do this every time I go to a new place. I have hundreds of maps (laughs) for all these places. And it's like... But it doesn't matter because it's so great when you go there and you and you're like, okay, I think there's a really cool bakery right around the corner. Let's go and check it out. And it's so rewarding when when you have that experience. Um, Now, I want to talk to you about another place in the Valencia region. So Valencia is a city, but it's also a region. Um, And that's uh, a, a city called Alicante. This place reminds me so much of where I'm living in Portugal, a little uh, city called Setubal. Now, Setubal is, I don't know, one half, one third the size of Alicante, but it's it's a port city. You know, it's right on the water. It's a port city. It's got a big working port. It's got a promenade with palm trees, um, and it's got some beautiful architecture, but it also has some high rises too, you know, people living in apartments and it's got beautiful beaches. So I, I'm, I'm watching this and I'm thinking this reminds me of where I live so much. Tell me a little bit more about Alicante in Spain. Yeah. So Alicante is, it is a cute, it's a smaller city than Valencia, right? But it's also known, uh, for its university because it has it's a big university town as well because so you'll find a lot of younger people there but it's like you say like it's on the costa blanca which is that's the you know white coast is how it's translated in english because it's on the southern part of valencia is known for more like sandy white sandier beaches and it's just like it's just, it's a coastal town right and it's it's super nice. You still get that old and new, like you were saying, like you see, like one of their main attractions is the Santa Barbara Castle. That's like dead center of the city. Like it's just right there and you can walk up the castle or you can drive up there, you know, and just take photos from the, up. you at the top of the castle, you see the whole panoramic view of the city and it is really beautiful, but I love that it's this mix of old and new, right? Like, and then, you know, alongside that, you see high rises of like, um, hotels or you can see you know just apartment buildings and everything and so it's it's definitely an acute like city to go visit as well right and again being smaller than Valencia you would think oh well they're probably not going to have that many vegan options but they did also right and oh my gosh this is a story I have to tell because I absolutely adore this story so in Alicante in the Central Market, which you'll notice in a lot of the Spanish cities, there's a, a Central Market, which is one of my favorite things to go to. I love Central Market. So each one is different and, you know, it varies. In my opinion, Valencia has one of the best ones. But the one in Alicante, I remember walking in there and being like, whoa, they don't even have produce. It's like all meat shops, right? Which is typical mm. to see in a lot of the Central Markets. They always have a meat shop. I'm sure in Portugal it's the same. You always see some kind of meat yeah. shops. This one is just like 
all meat shops, at least the first level when you walk in. I was like, oh, my goodness. I was like, this is kind of crazy. But the reason I went in there is because I knew there was a um, there's a vegan meat shop in there. So there's a, and they're literally right. They're surrounded by three different uh, meat shops. And they did that on purpose because I asked them, I was like, hey, I was like, tell me more about this. Like, why did you choose to open up here? And they're like, oh, they're like, well, we did this intentionally because we want to make a statement saying that like you know you can still eat plant-based food even though it looks like meat and have you know have food that you grew up with because over there they have they served all the traditional like spanish like meats or spread so like one of you know there's chorizo obviously that they would make um the spanish style chorizo and then they would they made that out of chickpeas and oats and all this other stuff and they have this something called so something in spain there's something called sobrasada which is when you find out what it is made of traditionally, it sounds disgusting. It's like made usually of leftovers. So sobra is like to what's left over, right? And so it's leftover like pig fat and just all the, and like whatever's leftover meat, they grind it up and make it into the spread. And it's mixed with like smoked paprika, whatever. So they made their own out of like sunflower seeds or like, well, I, for, I forgot exactly what they made up, but they made their own again of like just plant-based foods. And when you look at their shop, it looks like they have like the same like meat. They look up at sausages and burgers and everything. And the, so one of the stories that I love that um, the owner told me was he's like, you know, he's like more often than not, he was like, you will always we have, we get someone, maybe like uh, an elderly man or elderly couple that comes and walks by our shop and says, Oh my gosh, you're vegetarian. You're vegan. Like my doctor told me I can't have meat anymore because of my blood pressure or my cholesterol. And so they they try the plant-based one right and then what happens their cholesterol lowers because it's made out of ingredients that actually helps lower their cholesterol like oats and beans and everything and they eat it and they they, they say oh my gosh i thought i was never going to be able to eat this food again it tastes just like the original how i remember it and you know and it's made out of plants and so i thought that was beautiful because it's like yeah it's like you're a vegan you know a lot of the vegans i meet always say stuff like oh i don't like going into the central market because there's too many meat to meet, like meat shops and it's like well yeah but mm-hmm. then you could potentially miss out on something like this it's like sometimes you need to be around what you don't agree with to make like to maybe open your doors and kind of show people the beauty of what um a plant-based lifestyle could be otherwise they would never know it's so funny that you say that because we were in ireland in the spring and in uh cork there's a place called the English Market, and um, in the front, there's a lot of produce and, um, uh, you know, uh, value-added foods, uh, flowers and honey and, uh, uh, you know, cookies and bakeries and stuff like that. And in the back, just like you described in Alicante, is where all the butchers are. And we walk through there, and there is a vegan uh, stall restaurant right there in between all of the butchers called uh, My Goodness. It is my absolute favorite vegan restaurant, and there's several in Cork Island, as a matter of fact. It's my favorite one. I loved it so much, I had the owner on a few weeks ago to uh, talk about, because I loved her vegan nachos so much. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's the same idea. You walk in there, and it's butcher, 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 and then there's this uh, vegan outpost, you know, right in right in the middle of all that. Yeah, I, I wanted to that. talk to you. 
I know, isn't it great? I, I just, I, I love it. It's a great story. And I'll put a link to uh, that um, in the show notes as well as all the places you talk about in the show notes as well so that folks can, uh, can find these places when they, uh, when they go to uh, Spain. But I did want to talk to you about in Alicante um, the Cafe Bonbon. Talk to me a little bit because I'm kind of a coffee nerd a little bit. Talk to me a little bit about this, uh, this because I haven't had it before. Oh, okay, yes. So in Spain, you'll typically, okay, so it's always very common to have coffee after your food. Like, obviously, it's the first thing in the morning, but then after you eat, it's very common for the service to be like, oh, do you want to eat your coffee? Like, you want coffee, right? Uh, so uh, something that <laughs> right. people often uh, order after meals is a bonbon. And so a bonbon is coffee with sweetened condensed milk. And it's like a short coffee. It's not a tall coffee. It's a short coffee. It's just espresso, sweet condensed milk. And, you know, it looks delicious. Or they will have whipped cream on it, too. It has whipped cream. And, you know, it looks delicious. And, but, you know, when you're a vegan, you're like, oh, can't have that, right? But this cafe in Alicante, they also have sweets and, like, like pastries, savory and sweet and everything. Um, they serve a vegan bonbon. And so they give it to you with coconut condensed milk. Mm. And you can have that there, which I thought was amazing because I was like, oh, finally, I can try it here, right? And so, uh, so that's definitely something I encourage people to try because it's, it's still, it's just like, it's like dessert, right? So maybe you don't drink that with like a donut or a pastry, it might be, unless you really like sugar, but um, yeah. But I think with that coconut milk, it's got to add an, another um, layer of flavor there. I think it would be better than the, just the coffee with the regular condensed milk. I'll bet you the flavor profile is really interesting. I'm going to have to seek that out. Uh, you, you've you've said a couple of times, Eunice, that you found it um, at least recently much easier to eat vegan in Spain. What about for plant-based milks? Because I know sometimes that's an issue. You go into some coffee shops and, and I don't know, it seems like it's really becoming a lot more av available now, plant-based milks, wh whether it's it, it doesn't matter whether it's hemp milk or, um, you know, soy milk or almond, whatever it is. It seems like it's a lot more common. Uh, you find that in Spain as well? Yeah. So that was actually the first thing that shocked me about Spain. Like, oh, because you'll find often, I'm sure in Portugal is the same, like a lot of bars, restaurants, restaurants, like over there, they call them bars too, for some reason. But like, they always have coffee. They always serve coffee, right? And so I remember being shocked that, I could find plant-based milk almost anywhere. Like even the places where I was like, there's no way they're going to have plant-based milk here. Because a lot of things that they'll, they'll usually have, oh, we have milk and milk without lactose. And I'm sitting here like, what's the, I don't understand that, <laughs> but okay. Right, and right, so, right. Um, but, uh, uh, so that was what I thought, but no, a lot of these places will always have soy milk. Like they will have, the like, and so, or they'll have almond milk. They always had a plant-based alternative. Like, yes, you'll still find places that don't offer plant alternative, plant milk alternatives, but most of them, I would say like 90% or plus have a plant-based milk option. And I was like, and I just remember being like, wow, like this Spain has come a long way. If most, even the, even if the restaurants where I think they're not going to have plant-based milk options do have plant-based milk options. Right. And oat milk over there is becoming um, more popular too. And you can buy it. And, you know, in the grocery stores, you can buy any kind of plant-based milk you can think of. Um, you go into like Mercadona or Consume, you'll find oat milk, soy milk, rice milk, almond milk, you know, anything. <laughs> and 
Another thing I'd like to point out, though, I will say this, that I absolutely love, and I, maybe this is because of the EU rules on food or whatnot, but the oat milk there, you can find it. It's under a euro for a carton, right? Mm-hmm. And the ingredients are literally oats and water. That's it. Right. You can, fi- you know, right. you know how hard it is to find that in the States. I cannot find anything like that in the States. Like it usually has, you know, sunflower oil, locust bean gum or something. You know what I mean? Like, and mm-hmm. I just remember like, wow, over here they, and they, and it tastes so good and it's perfect for coffee still. Like, you know, uh, depending on which brand you get, it works out really well and it doesn't break up in your coffee. So I was like, that's really nice that I like about that. Oat milk is super versatile. I love it. It's one of, it's one of my favorite go-tos. I, and, and uh, when a place has it in that serves coffee, definitely going for the oat milk option. Um, Eunice, it's been great talking to you. You know, we, we've only covered one tiny little region, Valencia. <laughs> um, I w- I'm hoping maybe we can uh, do another episode. Can you come back and maybe talk some more about some other places in Spain and uh, how to eat vegan there with us? Yes, definitely. I would love to. Well, thanks for being on the show this week. And we're, we're going we're gonna to hold you to that. We're going to have you back to talk more Spain with us and vegan food in Spain. Awesome. Can't wait to come back. Okay, there you go. Don't you find Eunice's enthusiasm contagious? You can pick up her book, Ultimate Vegan Travel Guide to Spain at ratedvfood.com slash ebook. I've read it cover to cover. It's a great resource. And now Karen and I are talking about going to Valencia. And I'll have Eunice back in a couple of weeks for more Spain talk because there's so, so much to cover. And you know, we've only talked about Valencia. So look for that in a couple of weeks. I've got links to Eunice, her book, and all the places she talked about in this episode at radiomisfits.com slash DED202 for the show notes. Well, that's it for this week. Next week, we're in Puerto Rico and Patagonia with Rob Rose of Raw Travel TV. He's got a new season of his show coming out, so don't miss that. Until then, DestinationEatDrink.com is open for business. I post new stuff all the time. I just put up a story about a fort in Portugal with some incredible tiles and a questionable history. Get that at DestinationEatDrink.com slash blog. And if you enjoyed the show, rate and review us on your podcast app. And if you could, drop us a couple bucks to keep Destination Eat Drink going at DestinationEatDrink.com and click on the Contribute button. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by the Radio Misfits Podcast Network and a guy who adds vegan scotch to his cafe bonbon, Ed Silla. Thanks, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson, and I'll see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. <laughs>